Welcome to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix, where each month we focus on IT innovations that are moving federal agencies forward. Here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today, Greg O'Connell, Director for Nutanix, and Jason Langoni, a Senior Director for IoT and AI at Nutanix. Greg, Jason, welcome to the program. Thanks, Thank you. Jason. Thank you. The IT Innovation Insider is a monthly discussion where we are going to explore a wide range of issues around IT modernization, cloud computing, data center optimization and consolidation, and much, much more. We're going to hear from your colleagues at Nutanix throughout the entire show, as well as other experts in the public and private sectors over the next year. Today, the topic is Internet of Things, connected devices, artificial intelligence, and how these emerging, or should I stop calling them emerging by now, how these technologies really are impacting the federal market. We know over the last few years, the use of connected devices has grown from sensors on networks to sensors in the field to measure agriculture output. It's all about bringing computing to the edge. We also know there are some security concerns that come with it. NIST will be releasing an updated guidance to adopting IoT in the coming months. A lot of interest, a lot of opportunities, and that's what we're going to explore today. Let me start with Jason Langoni from Nutanix. Why is IoT emerging? Why is it the quote-unquote next big thing? I think it's an evolution of adjacent technologies that that have advanced over the last five, six, seven years. You you look at what Intel has done around CPUs becoming faster and uh, and cheaper. Uh, NVIDIA clearly is a big name in this space with what they've done around their GPU technologies and making that field ready. But you also have other things, the way developers have been developing applications has moved from kind of legacy middleware apps to containerized applications that are much easier to push out to the edge. And kind of the last thing is something you just mentioned, everything is IP connected now from you know my refrigerator to a sensor to you know a weather balloon. Everything has the ability to send data now. And I think that's an important piece is that it's not so much that we are sitting back going, let's connect all these devices. It's the fact is because of things like, and I, I know this goes back to in, in our, our old days, Greg, IPv6, that's, I think that's still, I still think that's emerging for some reason, uh, but, but people feel more comfortable saying, hey, let's add that to our Fitbit. Okay, now let's add that to our phone. Oh, wait a minute, yeah. now I can add to, as you, as Jason said, my, my refrigerator. Do you think that that has created this idea of the the art of the possible in many ways? Yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, we're collecting this data. What what can we now do with it? How can we make smart correlations to take intelligent actions? Absolutely. So with with the advent of IPv6, all of these connected devices are generating a tremendous amount of data at the edge. And there's been many devices generating data at the edge for many years, but today – we have the tools and the capability to address that latency and make good use of that information. And that's where we're seeing uh, IoT and edge computing really coming into its own and providing a lot of new capability that government needs to, in particular, be aware of and deal with. Yeah, that's a a really good point. You know, you think about all the data being generated at the edge up until maybe five years ago or maybe even sooner. If you were going to take action upon that data, you had to ship it all back to a cloud service provider, somebody else's data lake, process that data, hopefully find a needle in the haystack, and then deliver that insight back out to the edge a day later, a week later, months later. You know, Now with some of the advancements and other technologies that we talked about, to your point, you have the ability to process that data and make quick real-time decisions out at the edge where the data is being generated. And, and Greg, jump in, because I think that one of the things about the difference, and we can go down that path a little bit, is 
because so much is being generated at the edge, that's where the technology also has to be now. So talk a little bit about what you guys are seeing about the, the need from agencies to say, hey, we need – we hear from DOD all the time. Sure. I know that. But other mm-hmm. agencies also are seeing that value of bringing the, the, the compute, the processing, the storage, everything to the edge. Sure. And you've probably seen and read about the, the recent AI policy that's been put out, the executive order on, on AI. So – you know, driving technological breakthroughs in AI, driving development of the appropriate technical standards, training the current and future generations of American workers, fostering public trust, you know, an international environment that supports AI research and, and innovation <clears throat> and helps open markets for Americans and, and the AI industry on the whole. One of the big questions that come from this is, okay, we can drive AI, but what about, do you really, is the technology ready? It's like, I'm, I'll make this connection. Like, like ESPN, I'll pick on them for a second. Watch our videos. So, okay, I'll watch a video on ESPN. It doesn't work. It's it's shaky. It, it's, it's, it's just you go, well, this is driving me nuts. I can't watch this. Just give me the story instead. So I guess the, really the question here, Greg, is, is is the edge ready to deal with all this data, all this compute power, all the, all the expectations? They're already saying by 2020, the edge will generate 40 times more data than private and public clouds will ever see. And why? What's the key issue here? It's It's all about latency. And so decisions need to be made at the edge very fast. And, and as Jason touched on earlier, the technology uh, continues to, to evolve and it, it becomes more and more rapid on a regular basis. And our ability to address that latency and process at the edge and make use of that data is becoming more of a reality every day. One thing that comes to mind as you guys are, are kind of going through all the potential of AI is also the idea of managing all this data, but also managing all the technology. There's a great story about the Customs and Border Protection. And if you put some sensors on a Border Patrol officer, you can understand exactly what's happening to them at that moment. But that's a ton of data as well. Uh, Jason or Greg, I'll just throw it to both of you. How should agencies kind of keep in mind that the idea that you have to manage all, not just the data, but the, the devices and, and everything in between? With all of this data comes the requirement to manage and process that data. The example you speak of, you know, it's it's another great example of the intersection of how fast technologies advanced and some new innovations like this. This technology is referred to as MESA. It's metamaterials electronically scanning array. It takes what used to be a Humvee-sized radar device and dials it down to the size of a smartphone. So that, along with some Oculus goggles, allows you to now create a virtual border wall and be able to literally with 98% accuracy, determine whether it's an inanimate object or a human crossing the border. So these types of advents are, are again, all issues uh, or capabilities that the government will absolutely need to deal with from a security and a government's governance and a policy perspective. And I think you bring up an interesting point because there's a whole set of governance and policies that are coming down. And we can go down the security path all day. We probably will later. But is that what you're seeing from agencies right now is that that's where the struggle is? How do we govern the use of these devices? How do we govern the technology to the edge? Because a lot of times, and especially this is true, I think, with DOD is, is yeah, we just need to get the mission done. Mm-hmm. And we can't have policy and governance stand in the way of the mission. I think there's a broad range of examples that, that span organizations and agencies within government that are absolutely flat-footed and not prepared yet need to adopt and take advantage of uh, edge-based capabilities. Others are much more advanced. But to give you an example, there's there's an Air Force program office that historically is responsible for flight suits and for helmets for pilots. And we gather 
terabytes of information on our jets, uh, our military jets, uh, by the minute when they're in flight and, and anything related to the health of, of the jet. Yet, to date, we gather zero physiological information on the pilot themselves. So that physiological monitoring element, this is a classic example of IoT and edge computing, where if we could better collect information with the sensors and process it real time, think about collision avoidance and detection in a car. $30,000 cars we drive around, they'll stop for us before we run into a, a car in front of us. We don't have that capability in a jet today, yet in many instances, a pilot might lose consciousness or have some other kind of issue that comes about. And there's, there's no protection. You know, we can take advantage of that with AI-like capabilities and, and gathering data through those sensors. We know that's possible because we are gathering data from us every day through, again, your phone. It tells you how many steps you take or if you were any kind of Fitbit-type device. Jason, from your perspective, what's the challenge of adding those sensors, that, that technology to the edge, just from whether we talk policy or governance or more a technical side? From the technical side, when you look at how you deliver those capabilities, and Greg gave some really great examples, security clearly is one concern, but the applications are what's processing the data to deliver the capability. How do you deploy those applications to the edge? Oftentimes those applications are containers. How do you deploy that and manage that? You also have to think about the connectivity at the edge. You know, a lot of these edge locations are disconnected or they have low bandwidth. They're running over SATCOM links. You know, that's its own uh, struggle to deal with. And kind of the last piece of it is when you think of the data center, you might run hundreds of servers, maybe a thousand servers. But when you think about the edge and all of the locations at the edge, you know, the conversations we're having, thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even 50 to 100,000 edge locations in, in some instances. And that's its own problem. How do you manage this edge environment at scale? That's a great question. That's where we're going to take a quick break and come back and ask Greg to answer it, maybe. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. A recent survey revealed that at least 50% of federal agencies are using multiple clouds in their IT environment. Combine that with the legacy infrastructure that most agencies still use, and you can imagine the complexity and the limitations of such an environment. But federal agencies are adopting Nutanix to simplify and manage this complexity. Nutanix software-driven infrastructure and enterprise cloud give IT freedom from complexity, freedom to work with any cloud, to run any application at the scale they need, to use whatever technology stack suits them and to invent the technology that will move their mission forward. To learn more about how Nutanix is helping organizations simplify their IT environments, visit Nutanix.com freedom. Welcome back. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today, Greg O'Connell, a director for Nutanix, and Jason Langoni, a senior director for IoT and AI at Nutanix. Now, before break, Jason, you brought up a very interesting idea of when we talk about data centers, hundreds or, or thousands of servers. But when we talk, go to the edge, you're talking about 50 or 100,000 locations, and that's a lot different than servers. So let's let's go continue down that path a little bit. And let me throw it over to Greg. One of the things that comes up many times is, okay, it's one thing to protect a data center, the cybersecurity piece of it. But how do you protect the devices and the people and the data and everything at the edge. And I think that that's a, right. that's one of the biggest challenges we're going to see. Sure. That's a, that's a major concern. When you draw parallels, we can talk back to the mid nineties when the web browser first hit the scene and enabled any citizen, anyone on the planet to, to get on the world wide web that created a massive governance policy and security set of issues and challenges for our government to 
ensure that we were enabling a safe platform for the citizens of our country and making sure that we're setting policy to prevent people from doing bad things. And I think when we look at AI and edge computing and, and Internet of Things, it is magnified tenfold in terms of the potential for issues that can have a major impact on all of us. It's interesting you bring up the fact that if you go back maybe 20, 25 years ago, but the issue is we know so much more today, yet we're still having the same challenges. I mean, do you get a sense that agencies, when they're applying the governance and the policy and, and the security, that they're recognizing those lessons of the past? Or do you see some of the same mistakes? Sure. Both. Yes. Both. Yeah. Yes. Because the other side of this is not just this cybersecurity, but there's a physical security because the devices are, are on people or they're, you know, at the edge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a couple of things to think about. One is the the sensor data. Where does that live at the edge? How is that encrypted? As well as the, the machine learning logic that's actually delivering the value, right? We're collecting all this information, you know, off of a scale or off of a flight suit, whatever, whatever it might be. But the, the IP, the intellectual property that's analyzing this data is also equally valuable. So how do we ensure that's encrypted? And if that edge device or to grow legs and walk away or, you know, be stolen. How do we ensure that we've lost nothing? It's very similar discussion with cell phones and smartphones Absolutely. as that's moved up is, okay, are there technologies like, you know, mobile device management, MDMs that can wipe it clean? Because if it goes away, I'm not sure those exist yet for these devices. Are you guys, have you heard about anything? Is that starting to be talked about in the community? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the data collected at the edge is transactional. You know, so a smart strategy would be the data that we need to analyze to take real-time action is processed at the edge and possibly discarded. The outlier data, the anomalous data, that data is often shipped back to a data center to further improve machine learning libraries so that the machines themselves get smarter. Um, so as long as you have a, a similar strategy, there often isn't a lot to worry about at the edge other than maybe the applications themselves. Greg, jump we're, in. We're dealing with effectively the same infrastructure that we've been dealing with for, for decades. So we have more data, a tremendous amount of additional data. I believe the current amount of data already created by I IoT devices is over 700 zettabytes. So the ma majority of this data is left unexplored. But when we're collecting and analyzing that data, Typically, that's being done through the same systems that we need to secure today, either back at the data center or at the edge. Both of you brought up this idea of the data, but also how to deal with it. And I think that's where the AI comes in. That's where the machine learning comes in. Uh, I've been at several conferences over the last, feels like six months, a year, where, oh, we got to apply AI. And really what they're talking about is predictive analytics. So really, they're not quite at that AI so I'm going to throw it to you, Jason, since your title includes AI. <laughs> what are we seeing from agencies? How are they applying the, the technologies, the algorithms, or whatever we're calling it to process all that data to understand really the value? I mean, I'll give you some examples from the private sector. You know, we're using, you know, think of a grocery store who is using camera data to measure how long a line is at a checkout. And if the lines get too long, they open up another cashier to make sure that the customers are happy. You know, you could certainly apply that type of technology to something like the PX. Shipping and logistics, determining if a package is packed correctly and is gonna fall apart, that's th done through image analytics. And again, the AI at the edge with machine learning and machine inference. Also, you know, something that could be delivered today. Kind of the last one that comes to mind is, you know, we were working with somebody yesterday on this, is detecting the use of personal protective equipment. 
right? I'm in back office. I'm in the warehouse. I'm out on the field, on the flight line. I should have a helmet, goggles, and a vest and all these things. And again, determining are the people out there performing these jobs in unsafe conditions wearing all of the protective equipment they should be wearing? And if not, let's take action. Throw up a yellow light, alert somebody, correlate that data with accidents, et cetera. So all this stuff is you know, available today to be deployed, absolutely. Your examples are great because it really shows that uh, the power of this is not just to spy on somebody or not just to do bad things, but to really make things safer. Because I think you know, the flight line is an example. Oh, well, uh, I didn't even think to put my helmet on or I didn't think I needed it today. And it's like, no, you need it every day. Our agencies also, when you have those conversations with agencies, do they also see that that, bro- that long-term benefit or the maybe even broader benefit than just, hey, if you apply AI, you can pull back more data, but you can also make things better in, in other ways. Do you guys have those conversations? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you use the term, and it's a very popular term, art of the possibility um, or art of possibilities, which is uh, fun to think about around machine learning and, and AI. But I think people fall down that rat hole a little bit. You know, where this is beneficial is when you're trying to solve a specific problem, a specific business problem or agency problem, or you're trying to deliver a very specific new capability then how do we apply the technologies of today to deliver that new capability or efficiency um, versus, oh, okay, we've got all this data. Like, what could we do with this data? That's a much more difficult problem to solve and often doesn't get solved, if that makes sense. It does. I think so much of agencies and, and private sector organizations are overwhelmed by the amount mm-hmm. of data. And I think that's one of the reasons why we, we're seeing over the last, I think, pushing a decade now, the rise of the chief data officer. And then also Congress passed uh, the new policy evidence policymaking that really calls for more focus on data. Greg, when you have conversations with your clients, is data the central point or are they still talking the technology and they talking the, oh, well, if we apply AI here, we can do this, that, and the other thing, or is it all, have they gotten their head around this idea of data, data, data? Varies by conversation who you're talking to in, in the typical agency, but very much so at the, the C-level, if you will, the chief information security officers, as well as the CIO and the, and the chief data officers. Data is definitely central. And again, back to how their strategy for how they secure that data and make sure that everything they're collecting is governed appropriately, depending on the type of data that's collected in any given situation. Yeah, I'd like to jump in if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, one of the kind of working relationships I've seen, both public and private sector, that works well, and, and Jason, you brought up chief data officer and the advent of the chief data officer, is when the chief data officer is fielding requirements from the business or from the mission. You know, they typically understand, okay, we've got a problem with X. We've got a problem with safety on the flight line. We've got a problem with unhappy customers in the PX, or it takes too long to get somebody checked in at a VA hospital. They typically have the problems that need need to be solved. And the chief data officer is often responsible for developing that strategy and ultimately deploying that solution to solve those problems. When that is not a connection, it's, you know, functioning within an agency, those things are in a void and it's, it's difficult to, you know, again, come up with something specific to solve. And I think that's the key point here is that it's not just, hey, let's apply a connected device or AI for that sake. It's what's the end result. And I think you're starting to hear that. I, I am at least at conferences much more and more now, whether you guys see it in RFPs and RFQs and, <laughs> and as you have your discussions with agencies, that's a, maybe a different story. Let's take another quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. 
Eight years after the federal Cloud First initiative, a certain universal truth has emerged. Success in cloud is not a one-size-fits-all proposition. A recent survey revealed that 59% of federal agencies plan to increase their use of private cloud over the next two years. Results from that same survey noted that organizations realize the greatest cost savings and IT agility when using a hybrid cloud model. Nutanix gives agencies the freedom to manage hybrid cloud complexity with ease. With the enterprise cloud, you can combine the agility and simplicity of the public cloud with the security and control you need in a private cloud. No more lock-in, spiraling costs, and data governance issues. To learn more about how Nutanix can free you from IT complexity, visit Nutanix.com freedom. Welcome back. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today, Greg O'Connell, Director of Nutanix, Jason Langoni, a Senior Director for IoT and AI at Nutanix. We talked a lot about the data piece. We talked a lot about why agencies are moving toward the use of edge computing, using AI, using machine learning, taking advantage of all the devices that are connected through IP now. So uh, let me open up with Jason, since you have the uh, title again. I'll go back to your title of of, of senior director for both AI and Don't IoT. <laughs> Say, Don't believe it. It's Don't believe it. it. Up. It's yep. just made it up. That's yep. a good, it's a good title to make up. Thanks. Is this an evolution of technology, or is this a revolution that's really going to change, if you will? how we as a society, how the U.S. government acts, understands, and, and meets its mission. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a, a longer-term evolution. I mean, edge computing isn't necessarily new. A lot of agencies have compute and are delivering and processing things out at the edge. What we're talking about is adding more feature-rich applications or functions as a service to the edge, along with you know, machine learning libraries and doing machine inference. So there's a lot of technologies need to come together. You know, as we've been discussing, agencies need to understand specific problems they're trying to solve or new capabilities they're attempting to deliver. That clearly takes time. Um, this is not going to be, I don't think, an over overnight revolution by any means, but I think it's, it's great that a lot of agencies are now starting to look at this, right? Greg, jump in. I agree, although I will say we have a habit I think it's a human condition, uh, particularly with engineers, that they, they tend to underestimate how long things might take uh, to actually come to fruition with the scale at which technology continues to progress. So a great example of this, uh, I'm reading this book right now, how coincidental, Architects of Intelligence by Martin Ford. <laughs> There's a chapter with Ray Kurzweil, who many of us are familiar, the, the, the well-known futurist that's predicted the singularity point and a lot of other things that have come to pass over time. And he talked about the human genome example, and it took them seven years to map just 1% of the human genome. So everyone figured, great, it's going to take 700 years for us to map this thing. And um, Ray's reaction to that in the book was, great, it's, it's only going to be a few more years because he understood the, the exponential effect, particularly of software in the equation here, right? Hardware has a, you know, Moore's Law, we're familiar with that. And the ramp up of hardware, more processing, smaller footprint, all that kind of stuff. But software has this exponential effect on the the outcome and compressing it into a much shorter timeline. So maybe the revolution will be here sooner than we think. What's great about that is I did a recent panel discussion with some CIOs from the Health and Human Services Department. And on that was someone from NIH and, and the CIO talked about you know, it took, you know, again, as you said, seven years and then, you know, X amount of millions of dollars to, to map the first human genome. And then by 2013, it took 
much less time and much less money, and now we can do it like that. Exactly. And I think that's the power of what we're talking about. As soon as agencies start seeing the value of computing to the edge, and let's bring up the cloud, of course, once they once that really, I mean, we've been talking the cloud now for feels like uh, ten years, but once mm-hmm. as they move more and more to the cloud, I think that's going to be a key piece. I mean, is is that why this edge discussion is happening today, Greg? Or can you talk a little about well, where the cloud fits in there? Sure. Interesting example you bring up. There's a recent it's a TED Talk, I think, with Peter Levine. He's a partner in Andreessen Horowitz, and he, he titled it, the, what is it, The Cloud is Dead or The Cloud Era is Over. And it's all about edge computing, and it's really back to everything we're talking about here. The idea being that so much data is being created out there at the edge, and the processing will have to move to the edge to adapt and take advantage and, and use that information for things like IoT. So lots of examples incorporated there, like the Google, uh, the autonomous vehicles with Google and a lot of the testing they're doing, and it's basically a rolling data center in terms of all the information it's collecting and how quickly it needs to adapt and, and uh, protect the driver in that case. Jason, jump in. Yeah, I mean, I agree with with Greg. I think it's a, a smarter use of the cloud, right? We've been talking about cloud forever now, but with all of the data out at the edge, and we talked about latency, we talked about a lot of different things today. The intelligence needs to be local to that data, needs to be processed at the edge, but there is still value in shipping some of that data back to the cloud to improve libraries, to do further deep crunching of the data to see, you know, what else we might find. But those that I think over the last five years or so that have implemented a cloud-based IOT or AI strategy are now seeing the pains of that, which is we can't do real time. We're shipping everything back and it's taking us days or weeks or months and it's very expensive to do. We need to move that logic back to the edge. The other piece of this that falls into uh, the evolution revolution is the workforce, right? What's the impact on the workforce? Because you're not going to manage servers anymore, but you're going to need people who understand things at the edge, how how it works and, and how to tag back to that cloud or tag back to that hybrid data center. Greg, what are, you, what are you guys seeing around that, that workforce piece? A couple of key stats, again, that dovetails nicely here. PricewaterhouseCoopers recently did a study, and they estimated that AI, machine learning, IoT, the whole, the whole bailiwick, will contribute $15 trillion to our economy over the next 10 years. So a lot of folks think that robots are going to put them out of a job, and there's going to be this workforce impact. And in many instances, that's going to occur. But at the same time, it's going to create a tremendous amount of new opportunity and new jobs and new skill sets to that we would adapt to. World Economic Forum also estimated over 60 million net new jobs will be created as a result of, of AI. So that's going to have an immediate impact on sectors that are very near and dear to government as well, the healthcare, cybersecurity, transportation, disaster relief, and a lot more. It's going to have an impact across the board. Those statistics that you brought up really show that the, where the power is going, and, and you got to prepare for the future. I think that's, sure. that's the key here, which uh, was a great segue to uh, our last discussion of the day, which we're almost out of time. This has been a fascinating discussion, but where are we going? If we have this conversation again in five years, that's an easy question to ask, but where do you see all this discussion, this, this AI, IoT, machine learning, the edge computing going? If we fast forward, you know, two, three, four years from now, I think the agencies that are already down a journey with containers for their applications are going to be um, far more likely to be adopting these types of technologies out at the edge because it'll be easier for them. And those that have started their journey around IoT and AI with something specific to solve, something specific in mind, I think will be much further down 
the past. Excellent. And we will continue our conversation. But unfortunately, today we're out of time. You've been listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I've been your host, Jason Miller. Let me thank my guests, Greg O'Connell, the director for Nutanix. Greg, thank you for your time. Thank you, Jason. And Jason Langoni, a senior director for IoT and AI at Nutanix. Jason, thank you for your time. Thank you, Jason. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search IT Innovation Insider. Thank you for listening to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix for Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Today's episode can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Keyword NTNX.